Hi, you're listening to the podcast of Victory Santa Rosa. We pray that this message encourages you on your journey of faith in Jesus. We're now at our sixth week on our miracle series. We're still going through the book of John, the Gospel of John. And we said that as we go through each of the miraculous signs, they point to a facet of who Jesus is, which He reveals Himself both in the sign, the miracle, and by, uh, by the words that He speaks uh, in relation to the miracle. So this time we'll be reading from John chapter 9. We're going to talk about the story about the man born blind. Let's begin with verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Wow. Wow. Lord, um, we're praying for this kind of miracle to also happen in our lives. There might be things, Lord, that we've already carried with us even from birth. Uh, some things that may ha- might have been inherited from, from, from our, from our uh, forebears. Lord, something that might, Lord, some th- things that might have limited us in a sense, uh, patterns in our lives that were not healthy. Lord, we're praying that you'd be the one to bring deliverance to these areas that we've, we've carried with us, Lord, ever since we were born. Asking you now that you would also reveal yourself to us as the light of the world, as now you would open our eyes to really see. In Jesus' name. Amen. Part of what we talked about, part of what we read in this passage is the idea that this man suffered as early as when he was born. He was not even able to see colors. Imagine that. No light, no colors. Didn't even see his parents. Only knows them by voice. Um, Has come to interpret his world around him by touch. And by spatial, no, no spatial orientation. I mean, he does not know the idea of walking around a rugged road. He just knows it's, you know, he smells the dust, but he does not see the light khaki color. He does not see the sunset, the sunlight, the green trees, none of that. But he survived. He survived. And this man, being born blind, uh, now is in a place, interesting, Jesus was the one who initiated this healing. There, there are other stories of blind, healing of blindness. Uh, we have Bartimaeus crying out from the side, side roads, saying, uh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then, and then the people said, come, he's calling you. And then Jesus would say, what can I do for you? Lord, I want to see. And then God healed Bartimaeus. But for this blind man, man born blind, Jesus was the one who initiated it. Probably because he did not have the capacity to even ask. He was not in a place to even know and understand. You know, because of the limited way by which he's able to interpret and perceive his world, he was not in a place to actually be able to maybe even, uh, to, to even know that Jesus can heal. It was Jesus who initiated this miracle in his life. Now, part of what we're, where we'll go through in this message is this. Sometimes there are certain sicknesses in our lives that are, that's actually a pattern from our ancestors. Uh, yung lolo mo, 
may high blood. Yung nanay mo, may high blood. Kaya ikaw, may high blood ka na rin. And we just see it's a pattern. You know, uh, your grandfather had high blood, hypertension, then your mom, and then you also. And then we just come to accept it and say, oh, it really runs in the family. Now, it is true that in Scripture, there is sin. God visits the sin of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation. In fact, you see that in the, in the Ten Commandments itself. That the, Lord, that the Lord curses the sin, that the sin brings the curse that brings it up to the third and the fourth generation. Sometimes it's not just sickness. Sometimes it's sin patterns. In, in, the, in the Philippines, um, among us Filipinos, this is common. Oh, yung lolo ko babaero, yung tatay ko babaero, ako, ganun na rin ako. Eh kasi ganun talaga kami, tanggapin mo na lang. You know, my, my grandfather was an adulterer, was, in, was, was unfaithful. My father was also unfaithful. And me, you know, it's just normal, me being a man. So just accept it, you know, that it's really just like that. So these are sin patterns that get passed from generation to generation. Question, can it be cut off? Can the curse of sin be broken? Can we instead receive the blessing that would cut off whatever it is that may have, might have been passed on from different generations to us such that we will no longer pass them on to our children? In terms of our children, the, sin of, the curse of sin has been broken, the curse of sickness has been broken in our lives such that when we pass on our genes to our children, especially the spiritual side of things, they no longer need to carry that burden. Let's go back to the passage in verse 1. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Who sinned? And again, that was a prevalent way to think. Because, also because it's in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. And the way that the sin is passed on to the third and fourth generation. In the time of Job, that was also the prevalent thinking. The story of Job, you know, he would have his friends come and then they recognize that, hey Job, all of this tragedy that's happened in your life and yet you say you're innocent, that cannot be because this would, these things would not happen unless you are guilty. In fact, uh, a statement that, that might represent that would be this. Every person's suffering is indicative of the measure of his guilt in the eyes of God. Every person's suffering is indicative of his guilt in the eyes of God. And that was the prevalent thinking. And to a certain degree, it is true. Because it is also in Scripture. Sin does bring a curse. Hopefully, that would begin to put the fear of God in you. Na yeah, walang lusot. Walang lusot. May bawi yan. Babalik ang kanyan. You so, you know, um, Paul would even say, do not be mocked. Do not be deceived. He who sows to sin, he who sows in sin will reap destruction. Don't even think that you could, you know, the sin will find us out. There's always a way for those sins, for, for the things we've sown now to be able to go around and either it comes back to us or to our children. Do you really want to continue in that lifestyle? Do you really want to continue in that life of sin? Hopefully that would bring the fear of God on you. But, but, as much as that is true, especially in the Old Testament, Jesus introduces a new category. He introduces a new category by saying, it was not that this man sinned or his parents. Whoa! Talaga? Pwede yun? Really? Now we know from Paul as he writes in his letters, he says that God made him who had no sin to become sin for us. And he took on the curse of sin. As it is said, Cursed is he who is hung on a tree. The tree would now be the, the cross. Such that anyone who is hung on a cross is cursed. 
Jesus was hung on a cross. He took our curse. He took the curse of sin such that, such that now He can introduce this whole new category that, hey, the curse of sin, it can be broken. It does not need to be passed on anymore. You can receive the blessing instead that comes from what I will do on the cross in the future. So think about that. Jesus introduces this category of thinking to the disciples saying that, pointing to the future wherein He will die on the cross, eventually take on the curse of sin, break the curse of sin in your life for anyone who believes in Him, such that instead of a curse, you will receive His blessing. And that blessing, remember this, the blessing is more powerful than the curse. In the Ten Commandments, it says there, God visits the sin of the fathers up to the third and fourth generation. But God blesses up to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So the blessing is way more powerful. For generations lang ang sin. One thousand generations ang blessing. So when now, that in the time, because of what Jesus has done on the cross, now we can actually receive the blessing that comes from Him as we put our faith in Him. And the blessing is the that he who loves me and has kept my commandments. Jesus' love for God and Jesus being sinless and him keeping the commandments, the blessing that comes from his perfect sinless life is now imputed, given to you, passed on to you by grace. That's the beauty of, you know, this whole story in a sense foreshadows what Jesus will do on the cross as he takes on the curse of sin and gives us the blessing of his righteousness. And then Jesus by saying that this specific, this specific situation, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's a purpose statement. Jesus says, this man, what he's going through, it has meaning. It is significant. There, there, there is reason behind it. There is, a, uh, there is a meaning to the madness, so to speak. There's a reason why God has allowed this in his life. It is so that God might reveal or display His works in this person's life. Sometimes, our desperate situation is a setup. We've said this in the past weeks. For the works of God to be displayed in us. Sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. Sometimes, the difficult situation we have is because of sin. Our own sin, the sin of other people, the, the, the cumulative evil in the world. It's just that, that we really live in a fallen world. So naturally, you will experience difficulty, challenges, trial, tribulation, tragedy. That's really just part of it. But now that God, that, G, that God is your God, now that you've given your life to the Lord, you can appeal to His sovereignty. And this is exactly what Jesus has done. He appealed to the sovereignty of His Father saying, this particular sickness, it is so that God's works might be displayed in Him. In fact, this is a common experience for us. Right? You have certain disappointments. And then you say, Lord naman, bakit naman pinayagan nyo ganyan to mangyari? Then after two months, despite the disappointment, it actually turns out for you good. Buti na lang pala, nawala na ako ng trabaho. Mas maganda pa yung trabaho, kinapuntahan ko na ngayon. And, and you know, there's redemption. So in fact, the whole idea, the whole idea that certain difficulties, tragedies happen in our life, if we will entrust ourselves to God who is sovereign, sovereign meaning He is fully in control of everything, and that He is a good God, and He is your Father who is concerned in your life, therefore He is able to turn your circumstances as you continue to trust in Him. He's able to turn your circumstances for your good rather than for evil. And even when the enemy would mean certain things for evil in your life, 
the Lord is able to turn it around for the good. Sometimes, our desperate situation is a setup for the works of God to be displayed in us. I hope that will give you hope. <laughs> or that, would, that should give you, uh, again, there's even, it's a downward spiral. When we hit a tragedy and then when we begin to question God. Initially, you'd say, Lord, why did you allow this in my life? And then, if that could not yet be explained, you would come to the conclusion. You'll find a way to be able to explain it in your mind. You'll say, ah, maybe God does not see. And then, aside from you, going to God and say, oh, the Lord has abandoned me, He has forsaken me, and so on. And then, it degrades even more because now you question the very character of God. Maybe God is really not good. Maybe God is really not faithful. Don't go there. Don't go there. Instead, would you be willing to take a perspective of faith instead? Faith. Faith, because faith would say, Lord, I really don't understand, but I trust you. And God, I would like to be able to experience you as I go through this difficulty. God, you did promise you'll never leave me. You did promise you'll never forsake me. So Lord, can I just trust you? I'm willing to go through this. I'm willing to persevere. Lord, would you bring comfort? If I cannot find comfort, Lord, just give me the strength na lang to be able to persevere just for one more day, for yet one more day to be able to fight for my faith, for yet one more day to believe you again. Faith is always a good response rather than to go through the downward spiral of doubt and unbelief when we go through situations because perhaps your difficult, challenging, impossible situation is a setup for God's works to be displayed in your life. And then Jesus says this sort of, I don't know, out of context thing. <laughs> he says, we must work the works of Him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. Okay. <laughs> so how is that related with this man born blind uh, situation? Well, apparently Jesus is describing it because He's about to do works. So I don't know what conversation He had with His disciples prior, but that might that, that must have been the bigger context. But Jesus was about to do a work in this man's life. And he was saying, I'm about to do a work and we must work, me especially, because I only have a limited time of ministry here on earth. I must work. The, the work that, that, that my father has given me, I will do that. And then he shifts and then heals the man. But before he heals the man, he gives a revelation of who he is. He says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And light, he was about to do a healing from blindness, right? He was about to bring this man from darkness, literally, to light. To finally being able to perceive light. But something bigger than that, because as we shall see in a while, the Lord heals the man and he now begins to see the physical world, but he also opens his spiritual eyes to be able to recognize Jesus for who he is. We'll go back to that as the story unfolds. So Jesus reveals He is the light of the world. What does light mean? What is light for? Why does Jesus keep saying these things? <laughs> he says, I'm the bread of life. Okay. Well, by the way, there's seven I am statements also in the Gospel of John. The first one being, I'm the bread of life. The second one being, I'm the light of the world. In fact, this is, we were reading from chapter 9, right? In John chapter 8, He already says that. He says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, 
but we'll have the light of life. The first function of light. Well, light is so that you would see. The sun is there so that we would see. The sun is not only there so that we would see, the sun is also there so that we would have life. Imagine if there's no sun, no food, for the, no, no food production for the plants, no food for us, the people, the animals, and then the world would die. <laughs> and no warmth coming from the light of the sun, then we would end up chilling and eventually uh, also die because of lack of energy and heat. The heat from the sun, the light from the sun imparts life. Light enables you to see. Light gives life. So Jesus is actually saying, oh, I've come, huh? So that people will no longer walk in darkness. And especially for this man who was born blind, he will no longer walk in darkness. Darkness, darkness, uh, darkness in a, in a physical sense is the blindness. Darkness also in a spiritual sense is us being apart from God. We have been living our lives trying to survive. I mean, especially before you came to know Jesus, right? You've been living your life trying to make it in the world. You've been living your life try attempting things. I mean, filling your life with things that would bring you joy, that would bring you contentment. We put in material possessions, acclaim from other people, honor, uh, relationships, many romantic relationships, uh, fulfilling our sensual passions and desires. Whatever it is that we'd like to buy, we buy. Uh, the kind of work expansion and progress that you like. You, you, the whole idea of getting ahead in life, all of that was an attempt to find light. In the midst of our spiritual darkness because we knew there was something lacking. Now Jesus is, introduces, himself and, introduces himself to them and to us and says, you know what? That which you've been looking for, all of those did not satisfy, right? It was a futile exercise, Right? You did that. Yep. And where did it bring you? Yep. It just destroyed your relationships. It still left you empty. It was a futile pursuit. But now I have come. I am the light of the world. I dispel darkness in your life, especially for those who would believe in me. Aside from dispelling darkness, you no longer need to walk in darkness. You no longer need to walk in insecurity. You no longer need to walk in uncertainty. You no longer need to walk in confusion. You no longer need to walk in anxiety. All of that I dispel with my light. I bring you life. I bring you life. Is that descriptive of what we've experienced God to have done in our lives already thus far? I pray so. I pray so. And yet there is more. May God continue to reveal himself to you in a greater way. So Jesus, when he referred to himself as the light of the world, he was referring to dispelling darkness so that people might see. And he was referring to imparting life. Aside from that, in John 8, he also spoke of truth. Light reveals things for what they are. Uh, we, were, um, we were driving midnight almost, Kalaks up north in Silang, Tibig. That place is dark. <laughs> dark. It's very dark. We came from Cavite. Okay? We, I went to a late night uh, reunion with my brothers. So, and then we, when we were on our way back, you know, my wife and I, we were talking, should we even you know, uh, you know, drive by that place again. What if something appears right in front of you, no? Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, 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 just kidding. It was really dark. And um, we did that one time. My let was telling me, look at the back, it's just, just pitch black. So I was tempted one time. I turned off all of the lights. And then my whole family reacted, oh! And then I turned it on again, okay? Just to be able to see what's in front. 
But man, pitch black is not good. Okay? But when you turn on the light, you no longer fear because you see the road. You see things for what they are. Many of the insecurities, uncertainties, and fears in our life are unknowns. Unknowns. There is no light that shines on them. You don't know what it is. You don't know what will happen. You don't know what it will be. But once the light shines, it is truth. And it brings so much assurance. The light of Jesus brings truth to our lives. Reveals our areas of deception. The things in our lives that we value but are not really valuable. They are destroying our lives in fact. And then Jesus reveals them for what they are. You let go of that. That's a parasite in your life. That's a leech in your life. That's something that destroys you. This particular area of sin, you got to let that go. He reveals truth. Breaks our deception. Enables us to see. And hopefully, we will agree with Him. Jesus dispels darkness. He brings life. And He is truth. It's John chapter 8. Right before He reiterates in John chapter 9, I am the light of the world. And then, picking up the story, having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Ew. <laughs> I don't know how much spit was needed to be able to create that, right? So, but imagine that. Buti na lang, hindi nakita ni man born blind. You know, the man did not see it. Okay? So whatever it was that was placed on his eyes, he did not know what it was, thankfully. You know, but Jesus did it. But think, think about that. Does that remind you of something? Forming something on the ground with mud? That's Genesis 2 right there. When God was creating Adam and Jesus was, in a sense, recreating this man's eyes. He was Lord, he is Lord over creation. He is once again renewing his creation. So he put that on the man's eyes and then it, sa it says there, uh, he, he, anointed, he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and then told him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. The whole idea why it's called scent is because the pool is part of an aqueduct in the time of King Hezekiah that during times of um, siege around the whole city, they still could, you know, there's still a way to be able to access water from outside. It comes and it ends up in a pool. So they're able to send water from outside. It is sent inside, which is why it's called the Pool of Siloam. And then what happened to the man? So he went and washed. Question, what, how different would the story have been if the man did not go to the Pool of Siloam? Sometimes in our lives, the breakthrough, the miracle, comes with your obedience. The breakthrough, the miracle, comes with your obedience. I mean, if I was the man, I probably would have complained. Where is the pool of Siloam? How do I get there? Exactly how do I step? I mean, really? You're asking me to go, why don't you just, you know, if ever you were doing something... If you if you're really are going to do a miracle in my life, I mean, you could just do it here, right? I don't need to really go there because I don't know where I'm going or where I'm supposed to go. But the man did obey. So he went. So he went. So he went. As for you, my friend, so you go. So you obey. So you take the step of faith. So you, take the, so you make the decision. So you forsake the sin. So you let go of the wrong relationship. So you surrender to the Lord. So you take the step of faith of generosity. So you take the step of faith and apply for the job. So you take the step of faith and ask forgiveness. So you take the step of faith and forgive. So you take the step of faith to initiate reconciliation. So you take the step of faith so that God, through your obedience, He might release the miracle and the breakthrough. It's highly possible, right? Now, Understand this. Jesus was the one who initiated the healing. But he wanted the man to participate. Jesus 
is initiating something great in your life. But yes, yes, He wants you to come to know Him more in the process as you take a step of faith, take a step of faith, take a step of faith. What happened after? He came back seeing. Whoa, Lord! <laughs> he came back seeing. He came back seeing and He healed this mind's blindness. Physical blindness. But later on in the story, it does not end yet. Later on in the story, Jesus reveals himself to him in an even greater way. In fact, I'd like to, for you to be able to follow the rest of the story by just showing this. After that, the Pharisees called on to him you know, and, and told him, Okay, who is this guy uh, who healed you? He said, the man called Jesus made man. So that was his interaction. That was his revelation of who Jesus was. But can you see the progression? The next time, man, uh, John 9, 11, it was just his friends. How did you see? How do you see now? I mean, how, how did that happen? The man called Jesus. And then in verse 17, the, the Pharisees were questioning him. His conclusion, he is a prophet. He's a prophet. Uy, another facet. The revelation is growing. And then in verse 33, he was reasoning, if this man were not from God, thereby saying that Jesus is indeed from God. And finally, Jesus approaches him towards the end of the story and tells him, do you believe in the Son of Man? And I could imagine he would have recognized the voice. He would have recognized the voice such that recognizing the voice, you're the man who healed me and you're asking me, do you believe in the Son of Man? He's, he's almost like saying, So, do you believe in the Son of Man? Tell me, sir. Tell me, sir. Tell me, sir. Who he is so that I might believe in him just out of gratefulness to you for healing me. Then Jesus says, I speak to you, I'm he. And then his response, Lord, I believe. Did you catch that? Sir, and then Lord, and then he says, I believe. And then he worshipped him. Jesus cured the man, not only of his physical blindness, but his spiritual blindness too. And his spiritual blindness is the greater disease. In the same way that in our lives, sin is the greater disease more than the sickness. The sickness is a physical thing. It's temporary. Sin can send us to hell. Sin has eternal consequences. Spiritual blindness has eternal consequences. And Jesus delivered the man not only from his physical blindness, but also from his spiritual blindness. And he revealed himself. And the man responded right. He worshipped him. He worshipped him. Miracles reveal Jesus as the light of the world. He who enables us to see. This has been the Victory Santa Rosa podcast. To see more church updates, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Victory Santa Rosa.